This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. I, I don't know what, uh, what that lady was on that day or where she was <laughs> thinking, but I, I think she thought she was in the Matrix. Welcome to Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast your place for resources and in-depth conversations with other game development professionals. I'm your host, John J.P. Podlasic. I've worked at 10 different game companies, starting back in 1989 with the TurboGrafx-16. Over the decades, I've developed games like Mortal Kombat, Avengers Initiative, Beavis and Butthead, and numerous others. I now work for a startup called Level X. But this podcast isn't about me, it's about you, and the game development community. So if you have questions or ideas, give a call 224-484-7733 or go to the gamedevadvice.com website. I have a great episode for you today, so let's kick things off with the new Game Dev Advice. Today's guest for GDA7 is Humberto Gambo or otherwise known as Tito. He's a 3D artist currently working for Level X and been in the game industry for two years. He's also learning tech art on the side to expand his skills. This is a different kind of episode as someone fairly new to the industry, but he has some interesting perspectives to share along with some great stories. Okay, let's kick things off with Tito. Okay, so I've got Tito here today. Hey, Tito, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Cool. Well, let's start off like, how did you get started in the video game industry? Talk me through it. Okay, so um, I got my first job because I worked on a Crohn's VR project. Hmm. What is Crohn's? Just, uh, just uh, for the Crohn's audience. Disease. It's a disease that happens in the intestines. It's a, it's a nasty guy. So um, I had my port show. Um, I went to art school, the, uh, the Illinois Institute of Art in Chicago. Okay. And um, at my port show... I was demoing Crohn's VR project. I um, had requested uh, two tables uh, for my port show. Everyone else gets one. Uh, I said I wanted two because mm. I wanted to bring in my 3D printer, have my laptop playing my demo reel, and uh, demoing my Crohn's VR project. So this Crohn's VR project uh, happened because in my last quarter of school, mm-hmm. March uh, 2017, I started on this project. Uh, I worked at this media company. They hired us to do this VR project. They weren't really sure what they wanted. <laughs> and uh, I was like, sure, I'll, like, I'll accept this job. 
me and a, a couple of friends from school um, got hired and they told us they wanted a VR experience uh, to show Crohn's disease. They wanted it to be interactive mm -hmm. and uh, we gladly accepted. So it was like a three, four month uh, project. Okay. And uh, it was made in Unity. This was kind of my first dip into the game industry. I, I wouldn't really call it my first real like video game job, but it got me running with like actually doing a product in Unity, modeling for it, um, mm -hmm. getting everything professionally done. So it was a great portfolio piece. Yeah. So I worked with that media company. And when it came time to my port show, that's what I had uh, demoing at my booth. Mm -hmm. So at my portfolio show, I see these two dudes walking at me. <laughs> scary looking dudes. No. Yeah. Well, one of them, a scary looking dude, just like hair. Okay. Like timber man looking guy. And then... Uh, that was Bob's uh, Charles Manson. Yeah. Yeah. He had kind of the wild hair and the long beard. And yeah, uh, the, the guy, the guy's a sweetheart, but he could probably scare the crap out of you if you didn't know. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Bob looked scary at the time. And then when he <laughs> talks, it's just like, it's me, Bob. And then, uh, <laughs> and then Ryan Blake uh, with him. So Bob Nelson and Ryan Blake. Uh, right. Ryan's awesome. Yeah. These two dudes uh, start walking, you know, through the portfolio show and they're, passing by students. So I was the last one um, in my like row, I guess. So it was a bunch of other uh, 3D students. And then it was me at the end. So they were going by looking and looking and they kept looking at my corner. Like, <laughs> what the hell does that kid have? Like, why does he have two tables? Like I could see right. they were staring like, yes, like that's why you get two tables. <laughs> so they come over and, uh, you know, introduce myself, the whole thing. Right. All portfolio stuff. And then uh, they tried uh, the, the VR project and they put it on, you know, to, to them, it's, it's, it's as good as I could do as a student. And then they're like, why do you have this? Like, why, <laughs> why did you make a Crohn's VR thing? Like, that's, this is like just so weird. And then, then like, I had to explain to them, like, right. this was a, a project I did with the company. And, um, me not knowing who these guys were or what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, they're like, okay, yeah, like this is cool. And then the whole introduction happened, like they're level X. Um, we're looking for, you know, a junior 3D artist. Here's our card and everything. We exchange info. Mm -hmm. And they tell me why they were interested in the Crohn's because at the time we're working on a Crohn's project. So it was just like a coincidence that I also had a Crohn's project showing. It was all really good timing, uh, honestly, for my portfolio show. So we exchanged info and uh, portfolio show happened as it did. Um, lasted like an hour after them start packing up, end of the day. And then uh, me and my family uh, went to go eat at a nearby restaurant. And then um, as we're sitting down to eat, I got a phone call <laughs> uh, from HR. And they're like, uh, would you like to come in for an interview tomorrow? I'm like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, of course I do. And uh, my mom started to cry. <laughs> really? Wow, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty like, cool. I was like, oh my God, you got a call the very same day. Right, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, it was all just great timing. Um, and that's how I got this job. I currently work at Level X because of that portfolio show. 
And uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from my perspective, it was crazy because um, they came back to work and they're like, you won't believe this. Like we were at that show and there was a dude doing a thing in VR for a colon game. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, no way. And they're like, yeah, it was like, he had this huge booth and a, and a printer, a 3d printer going and, and you know, the VR and you know, this guy was awesome. And I'm like, wait a minute, he was doing a gastro game in VR and that's what we're doing right now. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like, what are the freaking odds of that? And it was just, uh, so serendipitous. It was just so crazy that, uh, that you had done that and that we were looking and that, you know, the planets aligned and we were there at that show and your portfolio was like, uh, you know, heads and shoulders above a lot of the other stuff they saw that day. And that's why we were so excited. And that's why we called. And, um, yeah. And then, then you interviewed and you like, you started the next week, right? Uh, yeah. So like, uh, I was brought into the interview and, you know, I, I'm thinking just like a regular interview, I talk with, uh, I was talking with Ryan mm-hmm. and, I'd go home and they'd call me back like, okay, you did bad or you did good. You passed or whatever. No, the, the interview was hilarious. It was, I talked to Ryan, showed him my process and they're like, okay, uh, let's go sign some papers. You're starting. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> Everything happened so fast for me that week. Like I was not expecting to, to get a job that quickly. I, I was just hoping that if I put as much as I can for a portfolio uh, show, maybe I have a good shot at this. So. It was all like really amazing. Um, what's also funny about that is um, I think Ryan almost didn't go to this portfolio show. Um, they had scheduled it on their calendars a couple months ago to go to the show. And on that day, they forgot. <laughs> and I think, uh, I don't know, halfway through the portfolio show, I think they got a reminder uh, on, the, on their calendar like, oh my God, this thing is happening. Should we go? And they were like, eh, might as well. Right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause, and, and to be honest, you know, sometimes those, those shows are a bust, right? So not knowing you were going to be there and that you were uh, amazing and doing all this cool stuff, um, you know, it was a roll of dice to go, but uh, we're all very glad that they went because, yeah, that was great. <laughs> I am very glad they went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you've been doing this for a little bit now, not a ton, but I mean, you've got a couple of years under your belt. So like, um, what do you wish you had known when you started? Oh, oh boy. Um, a lot of things. Um, just like, uh, the basics, what a real day-to-day workload would be like, what am I doing every day in this sort of job? Uh, knowing that just because you're a 3d modeler does not mean you're going to be modeling all day. Um, you, you could be tasked on a number of things, like just being an artist can, can be helpful in, in multiple things, like just doing general stuff, um, working on, I don't know, screenshots, promo, just picking up fires uh, when they happen. Right. Um, I also wish I knew what were the up-to-date standards. Um, coming out of college, I learned a lot of my stuff that, that was taught was out of date or all used. Um, that was a little heartbreaking, but, but then again, uh, that media company job uh, doing the Crohn's VR really, really helped with getting uh, rid of bad habits and um, learning new tools, right? Learning new tools, learning new habits, um, really figuring out what's the up-to-date standards, you know, because uh, I don't know, my teachers were were teaching some archaic stuff, uh, outdated. Yeah. And and I hear that from people too. Like, you know, it depends on the school. It depends on, on your teacher because, um, you know, 
There are people like Heinz Schuler at DePaul who are up to date and he's learning new tools and he's, he's teaching and, and um, building and, and doing stuff himself. So it kind of feeds off each other and he's really, and works hard at it. And, and they're, you know, to be honest, I hear about other schools where people are just kind of uh, mailing it in or, you know, phoning it in the sense that they've got their curriculum, they got their thing and they just kind of do it and they're not staying on the, um, the cutting edge and, and learning the new tools and figuring out new methodologies and pushing yeah. students. Yeah. So, and, and sometimes uh, your instructor might not, not be in the industry or never has been. Um, I also wish uh, I knew how much knowledge there was. Uh, so I was uh, pretty proactive in school, like, you know, keeping up to date uh, with tools and like substance painter was a big thing. When I was in school, no one was teaching it. So I took it upon myself to teach it to myself. And that was uh, really helpful. But um, yeah, yesterday I found this amazing discord with like cgi resources a bunch of free plugins and just people sharing articles and stuff like i wish i knew how much knowledge was just free out there and if you pick up on a community you can really enhance your stuff yeah ryan blake talks about it all the time about how much how much great stuff's out there on youtube and discord and, and all those kind of environments i could have done most of my college online just looking up tools buying people's tutorials um there's a lot of great stuff out there. Mm -hmm. What about uh, industry people and, and getting, getting help? Um, what you call it? I was uh, totally unaware of um, industry nights. Uh, that's another yeah. cool thing. Um, I don't know why. Again, my college didn't tell us anything about this or thought it was important information. But uh, the industry nights that happen here in Chicago are immensely helpful. You can quickly get to know people who are working on stuff. Mm -hmm. trade uh information um they're also really cool hank of stuff there's just a ton of cool people working in the industry and um i don't know i, I feel bad that i didn't know this uh before well no yeah and it's um it, it's something you you wouldn't know because you didn't learn about it at school so people didn't tell you to do those things maybe you yeah, wouldn't I was know in a, in a school bubble <laughs> yeah right and and that's part of the stuff like with the podcast and things like that for, you know, letting people know that wherever you're at, in most cases, there are industry nights around, or if you can't be somewhere, you know, in person that again, you know, discord, uh, YouTube, Twitter, so people on Twitter, that yeah, just share right. a bunch of information, uh -huh. what people are working on and just like quick tips. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of it too, is like, just kind of not be in that bubble, whether it's school or whether it's, you know, just the work bubble, but you know, take those blinders off, be looking around, do Google searches. It's the same way with work, right? Sometimes you get just so caught up in work that you have blinders on there too, and you're not aware of all the resources and, and cool things that are out there. Yeah. So what kind of advice would you give someone looking to get their first job? Um, if you went to art school, art school is bad. <laughs> uh, uh, again, these places are a business. They're, they mm -hmm. want your money. Um, yep. That's not super great. Um, you might get uh, taught by outdated people. So um, my advice is reach out to these resources, like go on Discord, go on Twitter, learn what people are doing right now, because you might have been taught outdated habits. And I've seen it in, in people coming out from college where um, mm -hmm. they, they get in this bubble. And because of that, their portfolio is not great. And it doesn't stand out. It just looks like, yeah, you went to an art school and you're not improving. Right. 
Yeah, it, it's got all the cookie cutter, same things from their class. And everyone's portfolio has or those like, same elements. You can start recognizing assignments like, yep, that's his portfolio piece because I had that exact same assignment in my class and it's a portfolio show. So yeah, when people see that, they're like, okay, so what? I've seen that, you know, a hundred times before. Like, like, what can you do in your portfolio that stands out and really uh, is exciting and pushes the boundaries versus just like, here's my portfolio from the stuff I was assigned. Please give me a yeah, job. Like, right? Don't do that. <laughs> do something cooler. Right. Do something more. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, reach out to communities. That's my biggest advice. Like once you start seeing what other people are doing, it really helps your portfolio. Um, just mm-hmm. being on like ArtStation. Yeah. That really helps. You can quickly see what other people are doing art wise. And if you're at that bar or you can like easily compare, like if you find a junior artist on ArtStation, you can see, okay, does my work compare to this person? And if it does, well, that's already a good sign of, hey, you you might get a junior position. Yeah. Like a benchmark to be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or you see a bunch of junior stuff and, and your stuff's above that. Like, wow, I'm kind of ahead of the curve. Or if it's below that, it's like, all right, I got to buckle down now and, um, and work on my, you know, my portfolio because there are people ahead of me. And, and again, I, I talked about this with Mike Andicelli. It's like, don't use that as, um, as a reason not to work and get depressed or be like, Oh, uh, my portfolio oh, yeah, that sucks. Hard. It's just like, as an artist, that's hard. We just all feel shitty about our work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. It, yeah. But I guess, yeah, just shake it off at some point and just use that as a uh, fuel to be like, all right, I'm going to regroup. And, and do this new thing, this new piece, this new whatever. And that's going to help set me apart, you know, versus just kind of just keeping everything the same and then, you know, wonder why uh, you're not hearing back from companies. Yeah. Uh, so like if you decide to um, apply for an art position, uh, a junior position at a company, uh, a great little thing you could do is, you know, do some searching, figure out who their junior artist is, who their senior artist is, and just find their art yeah. stations. and you can quickly evaluate yourself. Like if they have a certain portfolio piece, try matching your, your quality with that. You will probably pass their art test. Yeah, no, it's a great idea because again, it's so out there right now. Like you just Google somebody's name in in, in art station or Twitter and, and you can find them, you know, 30 years ago, that wasn't an option, but, but man, everybody's out there. Yeah. Everybody that's smart puts their material online so that people can see it and share it and give feedback. So yeah, that's a great idea. Besides just kind of learning about the company, um, learning about the people within the company, seeing the work they do and seeing how you compare to the work they do and um, helping assess like your skills and areas that you can do something that may reflect something that they're interested in so that uh, you have a better shot. And then um, even if uh, like you start looking at other people's work and it's off putting like, I am nowhere close to this. Um, that's okay. Just keep working at it. And also it's helpful if you like pick up a secondary skill, like a very niche skill. How so? For example, if uh, you're a character artist and you're looking at all these portfolios and like, damn, my, my anatomy is not this great or everything like, Mm. uh, keep on practicing those anatomy skills, but pick up something that other people may not want to do or don't have too much fun doing. Like, um, one thing you can do is pick up Marvelous Designer and start working on clothing or clothes sim or um, get better at rigging. Like, you know, have mm-hmm. this secondary skill that can be really valuable because uh, not a lot of people enjoy doing everything in a certain category of art. So, you know, some people may just want to sculpt all day and that could be a bad thing because like 
What if you're signing up for a job and they're not just looking for a character artist that can sculpt? Maybe they want you to do clothing. Um, they want you to do rigging and all these other things. So it's always helpful if you feel you can't do one thing that's mm -hmm. as good as a, a senior artist. Try picking up a, a cool secondary skill. Yeah, that's a smart idea. And it varies with companies, right? So like some yeah, of yeah. the bigger it's gonna vary so much. <laughs> right. Some of the bigger companies, it's very, you know, kind of cookie cutter defined, like this is the thing, this is all you do all day, every day. Um, smaller companies, you tend to be uh, a little more generalists and a little bit more agile and kind of like, hey, we got this thing that we need to figure out who knows how to do it, you know, versus having a mechanicalized with uh you know, everyone is very segmented in what they do. Where uh, smaller companies, you get to wear different hats and pitch in and help. You know, especially uh, with a variety of different types of work. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Tito, tell me about your current role. Uh, so, I started off as a uh, 3D artist uh, generalist, but uh, nowadays I kind of just do a lot of stuff. I think that's just how the nature of, of startups you mm -hmm. you're going to be doing a bunch of stuff. So, like. On a regular day-to-day -day stuff, uh, I could be, I don't know, 3D modeling, um, working heavily in Unity, setting up scenes, doing weird stuff uh, with, with our projects uh, at LevelX, um, VFX sometimes, working on promo images. It, it's all over the place, honestly. Yeah. No, there's a lot of variety, which um, I think it's cool because it, it makes it interesting, right? It's not the same thing day in, day out, and um, you're building your your tool belt, right? With different skills and different abilities. I, I, um, I see you talking uh, with Thu about tech art stuff, which is, yeah, that's a cool thing too. Yeah. I mean, our games at Olex are hard. I mean, hard task wise because we get weird problems. Like how do you make, I don't know, an x-ray in a game. And then hmm. we, we end up doing stuff like that. And yeah, we, we just get a, a bunch of interesting problems. So the art team, has to tackle it in some way or form. Right. Yeah, totally. So what are you doing to learn and improve? So actually, because of how much weird stuff we get, um, I'm always looking at new tech. Um, I try to get updated with Twitter and uh, mm -hmm. industry news like uh, 80 Level. They're a really yeah. good site. Yeah, it's a great site. Ryan had that great article on there. Uh, oh, yeah, Ryan was on there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool piece you've done. Uh, Andrew's also on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like uh, just stay up to date with my Twitter now. Um, I just have like a dedicated uh, Twitter list of like tech artists now. That's kind of where I'm leaning towards. Um, just trying to get better at tech art because we get so many problems where we need someone fixing uh, this sort of stuff. So picking up Houdini, um, mm -hmm. learning more procedural stuff, learning VFX on the side, um, just trying to be as a multi-tool as possible. Mm -hmm. If we need art that day, I can do that. If we need more techie stuff, I will try and solve that problem. And again, that's smart that you're, you're learning new things. And because, you know, you have to just always be learning five years from now, there's going to be tools out that we don't oh, yeah. know about right now. So you have to be in that mindset of just like figuring out uh, new tools, learning new user interfaces and, and how to get different you know, objectives out of the tools. So that's smart that you're doing that. 3D changes very quickly. So if you're not constantly looking at what's new or learning a, a new weird tool, I feel like you can get behind pretty quickly. Yeah, no, for sure. So what are you curious about right now? Uh, 
one cool small thing is uh, Substance Alchemist. Mm-hmm. So um, Substance is a painting software uh, for 3D modeling. Yeah. And uh, one of their cool tools is Designer. So you can make you know procedural textures in the way that they tile, and you can have a bunch of parameters that, that can switch on the fly. Um, they're working on this cool new tool called Substance Alchemist, which is hmm. Designer with the help of AI, I believe. Um, I've been trying wow. to get data of it. So like you can take a picture of, I don't know, cement, mm-hmm. then take a picture of some mosaic tiling. You feed it those two images and it'll make cement mosaic tiles. <laughs> it'll, wow. it'll try to merge the two uh, images together and give you a pattern. And you can fiddle with it, I, I believe. I don't know exactly like how the tool works, but I've been seeing... Um, some people on Twitter that I follow posting and it's just like, oh my God, it's awesome. Hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm sure they're going to have stuff at GDC about it. Check that out. Yeah, just uh, procedural stuff combined with AI is going to be popular, I believe, in in the future. I mean, so much stuff right now is becoming procedural and just amazing (laughs) in in games. Okay. What about uh, other things you're curious about? Uh, So there's been... A lot of layoffs happening lately. So I'm, I'm new to this whole game industry. So seeing a bunch of layoffs um, is scary. Yeah. I've been talking with, uh, you know, some of the artists that I work with and other people who've been around. And mm-hmm. they've said, like, layoffs are a normal thing of the game industry. They happen, but there's just, like, so many happening in the past, like, month or two. Like, so yeah. much with uh, Blizzard um, layoffs. Uh, who else had uh, Telltale had that had the huge yeah, horrible, Telltale and then poorly managed one that was a train wreck yeah that yeah, was terrible yeah just Twitter is, is scary right now with how many layoffs are happening and say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious about like uh, AAA companies uh, becoming unionized. If that's helpful or not for for the games industry. Yeah, I um, I'm curious about that too. I I see pros and cons to it because it it does mean then there's a lot more standardization of titles and um, you know drive up costs. But then there's also great reasons behind it. So I hear more uh, happening in the industry about it. And yeah, I'm just I'm also curious about it. Because it's hard to have a good, um, healthy work-life balance. And I don't know if unionizing will, will help with that. Um, like uh, yeah. being a small company, I think, helps us be you know, comfortable at work. And then we also have life outside of work. But from these huge companies, I don't, I don't know. That's, it, it just sucks. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's weird because there's, you know, there's the crunch and the layoffs and things. And there, there's more and more outsourcing being done. But part of it is like, oh, okay, we can do outsourcing to relieve um, some of that pressure. But what ends up happening is it's just used for for extra content, and it doesn't always end up relieving the you know the pressure and those kind of things. Because people look at the numbers like, oh, it's so much cheaper. But um, yeah, the revisions, uh, the quality of work. Um, there's some great studios out there that uh, that do outsourcing art, and there's some really bad ones. You know, so there's uh, there's risks involved in that too. But um, 
Yeah, unfortunately, it is a it is a hits driven industry, right? And I've seen it, you know, over the decades and been laid off uh, multiple times. Um, I think the key is that companies are smart about it, and if they're going to do it, that they have money earmarked so that people um, keep their their benefits for a while, and that they they have some severance, and it's not just you know. Uh, hit the bricks like like some of the places like Telltale. It sounds scary to just be laid off with almost no notice or the the looming danger of like we're going to lay off people, but we don't know who. Oh well, you'll find out when it happens. Yeah, that, well, that creates it creates a lot of stress and anxiety when when people are waiting for the shooter shooter drop. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been through it, and it is uh, part of it is. You know, we've got to get better about it. And, and the other part of it is, again, too, it, it is a hits-driven industry. So you have to stay up to date. You, you have to uh, network and you have to work hard and, and earn a good reputation because, you know, it will happen at some point. And um, yeah, yeah. Reputation is really important because, you know, you don't know where you're going to be or just being connected with some people. Like if, if you get laid off, you can reach out to people like, Hey, yeah, reach out to people. yeah, here's my portfolio. You know, is there anything going on there? Because it will happen, but, but it, the, the more prepared you are and you know, the smarter you are uh, about your finances. Yeah. Uh, Ryan talks to me. Uh, he, he's prepared me for, for, for this stuff. Like it's going to happen. So. Right. And, and you've got a great mentor with Ryan because he's been around, he's seen, you know, the dark side of the industry and he knows oh, how yeah. important it is to, to always, uh, keep up to date and keep your reel together and uh, be working hard so that, you know, when it does happen, you're not caught, you know, flat footed going, uh, yeah. I'm totally screwed now. It's more like, Oh wow, that sucks. All right. Um, time to uh, hit some people up and see what's going on with other companies and other places. Um, yeah. Because again, it's, it, you know, it's hits driven. So um, companies, especially companies that big companies that may place big bets on games, and they don't pan out, it's only a matter of time until, you know, the whole thing caves in and um, big companies, small companies, I've seen it at all kinds of companies and um, companies need to be more prepared to take care of their employees. When it, if it does happen, they're not high and dry and employees need to be a little smart um, about just being prepared and having yeah, their like finances. A, have, have a savings, like have mm-hmm. at least three months of rent just prepared. Yeah. And, and again, too, it is hard um, where you live, right? Because, and I heard this from the Telltale folks, um, you know, in the Bay Area, it's just obscene um, in terms of the housing costs, right? It's just like, yeah, how do you, um, and especially if you're junior or mid-level, um, I'm sure it's like crazy hard to save any money when, you know, your money goes to housing. Um, you, you know, we're kind of spoiled that way in Chicago where it's much more reasonable. And yeah you can live on the gold coast and spend tons of money, but if you want to uh, live further out or, or be in a different neighborhood, you can have a more reasonable cost around housing so that you're not so uh, redlining, you know, just, just paying for your housing. So um, I think that's a cool thing about Chicago too, in the sense that um, there may not be as many companies, but you don't burn as much of your money for your, your living expenses. So. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan just keeps telling me like, I joined at a good time and I joined <laughs> A, a good place. I've, I've missed out all that horrible yeah. nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan's, Ryan's seen some, uh, some stuff and um, yeah, I've seen my share that uh, yeah, you just, you have to learn to roll with the punches and uh, be prepared and 
don't get caught off guard because it will happen at some point. So, yeah. Okay, quick question break. What are your thoughts so far? Do you have a topic idea, a question to ask, or a guest suggestion? Let me know at 224-484-7733 or on the gamedevadvice.com website. So what are your thoughts about AR and VR? Just to pivot here. Uh, dead, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it was a, it was trendy for a while and then it's lost its, its cool factor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still feel it's, it's a niche product, uh, the way it's being used. Like it is cool for some games like, um, Beat Saber and Superhot are some really good games that are, that are using that tech, like being super interactive and, and moving around. But, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird tool. I think it's, it's totally still in its infancy. People are still figuring out where, where it can live and, and its potential. Yeah. No, and um, if you're talking about VR specifically, yeah, uh, I've talked with Patrick Curry about that too, where it still feels like it's in its uh, infancy, kind of like what PC games were like in the 90s, and the vibe is awesome, but it also still still feels kind of hobbyist at times, where you're like, why is this not working? And you plug this shit back in, and like, oh, now it works? Or also just clunky. There's so many cables. exactly. There's cables and high-end video cards, (laughs) and there's just all these barriers of entry. Yeah, and it yeah. makes it a niche. And I think, you know, a few years back, people were excited. Oh, we're going to go make a VR game and it's going to be huge and it's going to be blah, blah, blah. And, and then some, you know, companies and people got burned because it is such a niche right now that it is hard to make um, make money at it because there are so many barriers, especially on the PC side, um, to do yeah, it. And even if uh, you pass all those barriers, there's still not a lot of products. Like mm-hmm. there's maybe like a handful of games that are out there that are really good, but if we're just talking about gaming with VR, there's only so much you can play with it. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's way too early. Um, I think it should be uh, used more in, I don't know, like construction, something more practical. Um, yeah. Architecture is a big use for it too, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Architecture. Um, I heard about, um, oh, what was that thing? What was it? Google Glass mm-hmm. uh, was being used in some factory some i think car manufacturer so um the people working uh, on the lines were had uh, google glass oh. and they would use it to scan barcodes and bring up manuals uh on like their side of the vision like that sounds awesome huh. that that's where i think it is totally cool like just solving practical problem mm-hmm. like or your hands are busy maybe you want a manual <laughs> just hanging up on your head yeah, um, yeah or, and i think too because of the restrictions, because of the hardware, it, it, it can be clunky. And let's see what you know Oculus Quest does, right? Because you know the price point, not having the wires everywhere, and yeah, it doesn't have the graphic fidelity of, of a Vive. But you know, just being able to set it up quickly and easily, and not being tethered, um, you know, maybe that's going to be a breakthrough system, or you know, other things that are out there. Um, I think it just needs to continue to evolve because there was kind of like this gold rush for it. And then I think some, some people, yeah, got, yeah. Like everyone like do everything in yeah. VR. But I think it just kind of contracted a bit. I, I don't think it's contracting and going away. I, I think it's just kind of contracting, regrouping. The hardware is advancing. It's going to get uh, easier to develop for. It's going to be easier for people to buy and consume VR content. And then it's going to have like another surge. Um, it's just uh, when and, and, and who's going to be at the forefront with that. And um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Just like like all technologies, like I don't know, when the first Android or smartphone came out, I mean, it was only for a very small amount of people. Like yeah. It didn't gain traction the very first day. Like it needs time. People need to to learn where, where it can be most useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's whether it's gaming or you know, educational, like with um Patrick Curry and Farbridge or or some of the stuff that down in Ringling um that's being done for, for different types of training and um you know yeah like training is is another great solution for with uh with mm-hmm. VR. Like I wish um I could go on a field trip in class. Yeah. Like, uh, I would have loved to have VR when I was in first grade and we just all put on our headsets and suddenly we're in Mars. That would have made class so much more interesting. Yeah, it, it allows you to travel, you know, space and distance and time and all those kind of th- cool things and go different places and explore. So I think it's getting there. It just, um, yeah, it's, it's evolving technology, evolving content, evolving content creators, and uh, just seeing how this, this evolves, basically. So what about a funnier, odd story you have from working in the industry? Um, ooh, well, I haven't been doing this too long, so <laughs> I don't have too many cool ones. I have like small tidbits. So yeah. uh, back when I was uh, working at... Uh, the my media company where I made the Crohn's VR, we took the the Crohn's VR project to uh, New York and we were demoing it uh, to some people. Okay, and uh, it was a a dentist company, I think. We, we were trying to see if like they wanted to use VR with their dentist stuff. Huh. So we set up, we put the demo on, and these super corporate people are trying it out <laughs> and uh, it's, it's seen hilarious. It's hilarious seeing uh, super corporate people just try on right. VR like, whoa. And um, <laughs> so they put it on, they do the whole demo and then we sit down to discuss mm-hmm. it. And then one lady's like, so uh, how, how does it work? How does it, uh, you know, connect to your brain and show you uh, the images? <laughs> I was just stunned. <laughs> By her comment, I was like, what kind of black magic wow. uh, are you doing yeah. with these boxes? Like, um, it shows you those images because there's a screen <laughs> inside the headset. It's not, I don't know what, uh, what that lady was on that day or where she was thinking, but I think she thought she was in the matrix. Yeah, right. <laughs> like she put on this headset and her brain connected to a neural network. And she's often VR. Can I go back to the blue so, pill now? If I was on the red <laughs> pill, not sure. Uh, I want yeah, the red so pill. That that was weird. That, that that's something that I'm I'm never going to forget about VR. Um, Wait, and what was it on? Like the, the uh, I'm assuming you had were you the Vive or yeah, we had the Vive. So like, and they also they saw the setup. Like they saw there's two cameras, there's a laptop, there's everything. It's just it's amazing that those words right. came. How out is this her. getting in my head? I do not. It's kind of like caveman <laughs> lawyer. Phrases. Yeah, it's like, I don't understand. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, what else? At Level X, we had a butt cake. So <laughs> for the launch of uh, Crohn's disease or Gastro X, um, right? The, the Gastro X, we had a special cake made. Yeah, Gastro X. Um, uh, we were surprised with a beautiful butt cake. <laughs> yeah, that was a man. What was the name of that bar? We were at a restaurant and we had this giant cake, and uh, we were in a public place. People used to play pool there on Fridays, but yeah, I just remember people walking by looking at our butt cake, kind of like, "What is this? What?" It's like, "No, we're celebrating a game. It's called Gastro X." And uh, yeah, that was a good time. Uh, yeah, that was that was a great yeah, day. It was fun. Um, another cool thing is um, 
So we have a audio guy, Jeff Linville. So when I was uh, was trying to get him into a uh, uh, Level X, which I annoyed you about. Yeah, I, I, thank you for annoying me because it, it worked out perfect. Yeah, yeah, the dude's cool. Um, so when I was, uh, you know, telling uh, Ryan about this dude, I was telling him he's an audio guy. And he's like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, I don't know how it came out, but uh, I told him that uh, this dude uh, works with Rob Scallion sometimes. He's a YouTuber and he does a bunch of cool musician mm-hmm. stuff. And Ryan came back to me one day and was like, hey, this Jeff dude is like, why is he in all of like Rob Scallion's videos? Like he, he looked at his um, LinkedIn and everything and started connecting the face. And I'm like, oh yeah, Jeff works with uh, Rob Scallion. And then uh, Jeff's... Uh, cool points just like shout out like oh my god he works with rob scallion right so all of a sudden yeah jeff was like wow jeff is the shit we should talk to this guy yeah like i'm gonna go shred with jeff now and both of us play guitars and stuff huh. no and in the backstory to that was jeff uh he took a video and he just did some sound design you know kind of on spec oh yeah so um we're doing uh the palm trailer mm-hmm. and uh we were looking for an audio guy or we were getting audio back and um, from whoever we were um, buying audio from. And it was, I thought was lackluster. Yeah, I would agree. Object, do a better job. And um, I gave him, you know, word about like, Hey, we're looking for someone cool. And uh, he made that whole trailer and I send it off to you. And I'm like, you should hire this cool guy. Listen to his trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I looked at it and I went, this is cool. And I shared it with other people and they're like, wow, this is great. Who is this guy? And then that, you know, snowball from one thing to another thing. And he, he came on, he was a contractor and now he's our, our full-time audio designer. Oh my God. His music for, oh, yeah. for our newest app is just so good. Cardio X has a soundtrack that will blow people's minds. Even if you're not a cardiologist. It is so synthy and so yep. good. I Including love it. the metal track. But um, I think, you know, a cool takeaway from that is instead of him just being like, uh, I'm an audio person, you should hire me. Um, and to be honest, it's tough, I think, being an audio person because you, oh, you yeah, have to yeah. hustle all the time. It's, it's, um, there are a million people out there and it's, you know, how do you rise above the other ones? Well, you do what Jeff did and just do uh, take, take initiative. initiative and actually, you know, uh, do sound design for a trailer for Palm X, which is what he did to actually make it tangible, to show it. Not just like, you know, I'm audio person, hire me, but like, hey, here's what I can do. And when you show the benefit and then people can see it and hear it, yeah. then all of a sudden it became a no-brainer. It was like, yeah, let's get this guy working on, on our projects. And, um, and it was totally it was worth totally it. Totally <laughs> worth it. So yeah, I, again, that's great that you knew Jeff and that you bugged me and that I sh- he did that video and we shared it because um, you know, it, makes, uh, it makes our product so much better. And the fact that, um, he, again, he took that initiative, not just here's my uh, link to my audio, you should hire me. Yeah, like here's my website. Please look at my sounds. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of people do that, and, and they have to uh, they have to figure out a way to differentiate themselves, do something um, that ties back to the company that that shows value, and then all of a sudden, yeah, uh, doesn't become. Uh, should I talk to this person? It's like I need to talk to this person, right? So it's cool that he did that. Okay, is there anything I should have asked you about but didn't? Um, the only question really is like, what do you think of uh, the current state of the game industry? Yeah. Um, well, I think money-wise, right, it's, it's, it's growing and it's, it's still growing. And I can't remember the, how many billions of dollars. And when you have these breakaway yeah. hits with like, you know, Fortnite and 
Apex and uh, PUBG and all this stuff going on. You know, it's exciting times. It's it's also again scary times, right? Because budgets yeah. get bigger and yeah, it's getting so so big and inflated. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, and I've kind of touched this, you know, on some other podcasts. There are so many things competing for people's time that um, it's not like it used to be ten years ago, where sometimes people would just sit down and play a console game. Now they can maybe you know watch something on Netflix or they can play a game on their phone. So um, yeah. even the competing for people's time is good and bad uh, for, for who's ever trying to make a product because um, mm-hmm. like, for example, um, uh, everyone's trying to be the, the next battle Royale. So you're, you're fighting yeah. for everyone wanting to play uh, your game. Mm-hmm. So Fortnite was doing really well on Twitch and everything. It had a bunch of followings and then here comes apex and steals that audience and Fortnite's like, oh my God, there, there goes our people. And if that gets oversaturated, if everyone starts making a, a battle royale, there's a limited amount of people. There's only so much you can take away from that. So at, at some point, it's just going to be super saturated and you're, you're just going to have like a, a small following. There's yeah. just, it's becoming to the point where like there's, there's too much games. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is so, so many games out there, enough for anyone to just go on like on Steam and, and pick something. Yeah. And well, it's it's just it's trends, right? And there's companies yeah. that lead, you know, when it comes to trends, or they they take a trend and they make a a twist to it, and that's been going on for ages, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how like battle royale started. No, but like going like further back, right? Like there was a time when you know real time strategy games were the shit, right? So like uh, you know Red Alert yeah. came out and you had Command and Conquer and all this stuff. So like Starcraft, yeah, you know, every game company and their uncle were making their versions of that, but. But unless there was some some twist or some some different element to it, or you did something better, you just got lost in the noise because it's like, yeah, why would I play that? I, I could just play Red Alert, right? So I've seen it, you know, time and time again. It, it happens with like every new game genre. Like it mm-hmm. happened with RTS. It happened with like uh, MMOs, like World of Warcraft. Yeah. People were making other, you know, games similar, and now the the whole battle royale is picking up. And now, um, so Apex launched. And what was different about that game compared to Fortnite is it had a ping system. Mm-hmm. And now Fortnite has a ping right, system. Right. Because they, they, they found a way to add their twist and, and kind of add value to it. And right now, Fortnite's copying them, which is pretty wild. So, like, sooner or later, we're all just going to be playing the, the same game because everyone's copying <laughs> everyone. <laughs> it's inspiration. They're not copying. Yeah. No, but um, <laughs> it was like that way to, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 years ago with open world games, you know, Grand Theft Auto was making a gazillion dollars. So, you know, all these companies were rushing to make their open world uh, games. Oh, yeah. um, so it, everything. Yeah. And, and that's just kind of the way the industry goes. And, and who knows what the trend's going to be, you know, two years from now. So yeah. ride the trends. I think to be successful, you have to be at the front end of the trends or do that twist that, that adds to the trend like, like Apex did, because otherwise you just kind of get lost in the noise and nobody, nobody cares. And Okay. So where can uh, people find you online, website, Twitter, things like that? Uh, so my, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is H Gamboa Jr. H G A M B O A J R. And then uh, also on ArtStation. And that's uh, my handle for ArtStation is Umberto G H U M B E R T O G. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to put it in show notes so that uh, people can just click on the links and follow you and uh, see the kind of cool stuff you're up to. All right. Well, Tito, this has been great. It's been great talking to you. I've enjoyed this and I think uh, our listeners will too. So take care.
<laughs> Thank you. You take care too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. If you found it interesting or helpful, please leave a five-star review. I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe. I have a lot of great episodes coming out. As always, I want to hear from you, the game development community. So give me a call at 224-484-7733 or reach out on the website, gamedevadvice.com. I want to know your struggles, your questions, and your ideas since the podcast is really about you, the fellow game developer, and our game development community. Thanks and take care.